On this edition of The Next Phase with Steve Key Podcast, let's talk crisis communications with Zach Condry. He's president of Everest Communications just outside Washington, D.C. He specializes in developing and executing digital communication strategies to help organizations tackle critical public affairs issues, major crises, regulatory obstacles, and reputation management challenges. Uh before working in corporate communications, he managed political campaigns in several states, later served as a strategist for many high-profile organizations and campaigns. He's been a guest lecturer on digital crisis communications and political strategy at George Washington University, Georgetown University, the University of Tennessee, and Google's DC headquarters. Welcome, Zach. Hi, thank you for having me. You know, recently a student, and I speak to a lot of student groups, and recently a student said to me that I want to get into crisis communications. And I, I kind of chuckled and I said, you have to really live them to work them. Do, do, do you agree with me? Um, you know, I had that same thought when I was in my <laughs> early to mid twenties, uh, how stupid I was. Um, I kind of just stumbled into it, but I, I generally agree with you that you need trench work. Um, regardless of whether it's crisis communications, politicals, you know, strategy or campaigns like I was uh, with or in-house communications that kind of have crises happen to you. Um, but it, it, regardless, you definitely need that trench work in order to say actively, oh, this is something that I want to go into. But to go into it blind is frankly silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think too, it's a bit like, you have to have the personality to do this correctly, right? It's like a fireman. They, they're going to run into the building. You're not going to run away from the building. So if you're not prepared to run in and roll up your sleeves, you're not going to be a very effective crisis communicator. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, the, the standard line I give, you know, when you're at Christmas parties or what have you, and, and somebody says, oh, what do you do? Uh, I gave up long ago trying to explain crisis communication. <laughs> <laughs> And like reputation management. What I say is, I'm a communicator, but I don't sell shampoo. You call me when the shampoo gives you hives. <laughs> so I sit there and I think about your student, probably, you know, early to mid 20s. Okay, present them with that case study. How are they? So shampoo gives somebody hives. What are you going to do? You need that experience. You need that trench work in order to actually kind of comprehend that experience. Well, now you've been through uh, a few of these, and you know, I, I, if you're like me, your your eyes are in the back of your head. You're always looking for something that's going to go wrong. What are some of the biggest mistakes that companies or individuals make? Um, pre-crisis or or, or well, in the middle? Really pre-crisis. So, so at that point, yeah. they realize they have to pick up the phone and they need to call you. And so, what are some of the mistakes or the pitfalls that they make? before they even call you? Yeah, lack of preparation. Um, you know, I counsel all of our clients. I say, just get your C-suite in a room. I can be there. I don't have to be there. Just get your C-suite in a room and, and talk about things that keep you up at night. What are, what are you know, hiccups in the, with the business that could happen uh, that keep you up at night? And then talk about probability. So for instance, data breach, yeah. Very likely to happen. Yes. A aliens blowing up the factory a la Independence Day. Hmm, probability is pretty low. Um, yeah, I guess you could consider that a crisis, but uh, let's not plan for that. Let's plan, plan for the data breach. You know, I remember, 
know, I look back on my career and I, I spent 20 years working with the Toronto Stock Exchange and I was there during 9-11. And, you know, that was waking up like any day. But I don't think we as a society thought that something of that magnitude could happen. And then the, the fallout for that from a from a business operation perspective almost made people go the complete opposite way and over-prepare for everything, like you said, including alien attacks that would never happen. But at least it it went top of mind and they they started thinking about that. And I think that that was important. And I think that's really part of any good communications planning that a company has to do. Yeah. And, you know, with that sort of thing, I mean, 9-11 is a great example of, we would never be able to predict something like that. Um, however, you can certainly do a major event-driven crisis or work with your emergency management team to say, okay, so power goes out or XYZ happens. What do we do? And then work with your emergency management team, work with your security team um, to kind of create a broad-based yeah. uh, you know, event-driven crisis uh, scenario like that. And you know, if you plan for it and you, and you work out your statements and your communications pieces, um, in tandem with emergency management, you'll get, I don't know, 60 to 75% of the way there. You know, I, I guess we wouldn't be in business, people like you or myself, if it wasn't for people making a mistake. But does a misstep at the beginning of an event or a situation really jeopardize the credibility? And can, can you get it back? Uh, it's a lot harder to get it back. Um, you know, the reason I asked, okay, so uh, the biggest, we asked the biggest misstep and I said pre-crisis or, or in the middle, you know, in the middle, um, it's over-communication. It's the C-suite or, or leadership or whomever think that the world is caving in on them and they, they feel the need to over-communicate on the issue when they don't actually have all the facts and they don't really understand how audiences are receiving that issue. Right. And uh, and it sometimes it digs them in a deeper hole. I mean, we I mean talk about you know VIPs and executives. I mean, how many times have we seen a an a, an executive or a, or a VIP, a you know famous Hollywood person, um, get you know quote unquote canceled, and then dig a deeper hole with yeah. their um, with you know out of tune apology. Well, it has to be sincere and it has to be, um, you have to be committed to it and you have to be committed to change. Uh, we talk, you, you, you talk about the fact that you know, companies need to get their C-suite together and they need to, to, to kind of run through some of these scenarios. But like anything else, they probably need to update these on a regular basis because five years ago, were we talking about cyber breaches and, and security? Probably not. Right. And so, you know, you, you have to look at what's going to happen on a, a daily basis, how the, the business is changing and what new risks are out there. And that's, I guess, a whole part of a good risk management practice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you bring up data breaches five years ago, data breaches five years ago were a big deal. You know, it's, you know, people were aghast that, that, you know, criminal hackers had, had, had breached the, the company systems. Whereas now, I mean, we see it every day. It's it's it is basically the cost of doing business um, if you're a you know a pretty good sized company, mm-hmm. and the way that's communicated is different now. Now, 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 Zach, you've worked in political circles, you've worked in the corporate world. How is it different 
from politics to the corporate world, or is it different? Um, in terms of crisis management, um, I believe that the political piece is a little bit more high pressure because there is, in fact, a deadline. So, you know, I'm in the States. Um, uh, elections are in November. And you either win or you lose in November. There is no gray area, regardless of <laughs> what President Trump thinks. Uh, there, is no, there is no gray area. You either win or you lose. Um, and so you need to manage that crisis as quickly as possible to mitigate that risk and to re repair any reputation as quickly as possible. Whereas with a company, there's no kind of finite deadline like that. You can, you can um, you have a little bit kind of more of a buffer, I guess you should say. Obviously, you, you want to do things as quickly as possible. You want to repair that reputation so the company can continue uh, making money and doing business. Uh, but there isn't that hard deadline uh, that we're used to in politics. But it's, it's quite similar. I like to think that, you know, over my career, you know, I was largely involved in what would be the traditional media. And in recent years, social media has 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 grown. I always say the pendulum has sort of swung and we're seeing things that are uncovered on social media that that move over to the traditional side. Uh, should companies be keeping a good eye on what's being said about them or what's being said by them on social media? Absolutely. So that's that's actually the majority of what our firm does. Is so we um, uh, we subscribe to a number of different pieces of software that analyze both search and social conversation, along with Reddit and and all these other kind of gray area platforms. Um, and we work with companies that you know they might be concerned about a labor issue, for instance, or a data breach, or a you know whatever. Um, and um, and so we'll set up issue-based queries and give them daily, weekly reports, you know, landscape snapshots on the social conversation regarding that specific issue. Um, you, yeah. Right. And, you, and, and we, we, we sort of base it all in data. Um, yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, it drives everything, right? So you're, 100%. you're watching a lot of things and you're looking for trends. Some of these are predictable, how they're going to go. Mm -hmm. And, and the news cycles are such that, you know, sometimes you get a longer news cycle and sometimes a very short news cycle. And it's, uh, I guess, how you pivot out of that that's going to work. Do you have do you have sort of what you would call a big success that you're really proud of? Um, I have uh, lots of things I'm really proud of. Um, the one that actually comes to mind that based off of social conversation probably isn't the biggest success, but it's very relevant for this conversation. So you're familiar with the John Oliver show on HBO? Yes. Um, so I've had, I think, like six or seven clients that have been featured on the John Oliver show. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> less than never ideal. featured very well. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't prop companies up. But anyway, so um, so I'm very used to looking at social conversation around the John Oliver show. And so what we found out was, so the show comes on Sunday evenings. And you have clients that are really worried about kind of, oh, okay, when it airs, it's going to just, everything's going to go crazy. Well, if I showed you a graph of, of the John Oliver show just over you know, a number of weeks, you'd see a spike in the evening on Sunday. However, the biggest spike is Monday morning around 10 a.m. Eastern when people don't want to work 
They've just come off of the weekend. They're messing around on social media, watching videos. That is actually when the majority of conversation about the John Oliver show occurs. So even though it airs, you know, I believe it's 10 p.m. on Sundays, companies should be more worried about the 10 a.m. on Mondays. That that's a that's a really good point because you know, again, you know, I can't watch everything, but then if I see it flagged somewhere. I'm probably one of those people that 10 a.m. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look for it. And, uh, <laughs> and then, and then the, the the actual that's actually not, not the most worrying piece. So that's the biggest volume. That's spike. not the most worrying. Okay, so it's not. What is the most? Worrying? So, um, so I mean, we truly get into the data here. Um, the most worrying piece, and this doesn't always happen, but if it's if that Monday morning is big and people are engaging with videos and sharing them and saying, "Oh my gosh, look what they did to this company," blah blah blah. Around Tuesday, Wednesday, there is a smaller spike, which I which is I call the third spike, um, which is BuzzFeed, your boxes, Salon.com, those sort of follow-on publications, second tier, you know, not not your you know major news organizations, but kind of second tier, well respected, reporting on how people responded online to the John Oliver show on Sunday. And so what that what happens with that is I at that point I'm not really worried about social conversation I'm actually worried about those articles themselves and how it affects the search engine um, mm. traffic and visibility for a company because a BuzzFeed article will stay along around a lot longer than a tweet from you know some influencer right right and and again it can be shared it's one thing is you open up the box it the mice run in hundred different directions and uh, you're never going to get them back in, in the same pattern. I find this with me and I want to know if it's with you. I'm typically really hard on myself and, and I always think I can do something better. Uh, do you find that? And can you learn from that? Oh, absolutely. We're always, I mean, we're, we're kind of limited a little bit in terms of the data we can provide because of the, privacy of the various platforms, but we're always looking to present that data and and related counsel um, in better, more efficient, efficient ways um, to really show those executives that I spoke about previously of, hey, let's not over-communicate. It's actually not that big of a deal. Or compared to XYZ, we're always looking to improve those sorts of insights, um, which frankly helps us and our clients be better communicators. So if I'm a company right now and I don't have any kind of crisis plan, you know, how should someone take step one to prepare for the inevitable fail? Yeah, I think, um, I think that initial scenario planning that we discussed, you know, getting, I don't call it seven to 10 scenarios that are potentially likely. That's manageable. Yeah. And just saying, Internally, saying, how would we respond to this? What what would we say to something like this, and how would we want to deal with it? And it all varies on the company and the, and the individuals in charge of how they want to communicate things. I mean, for goodness sakes, Elon Musk just got sued by J.P. Morgan, and he made a joke out of it. If any other country uh, company on planet Earth was sued by J.P. Morgan and their army of lawyers, they'd be shaking in their boots. And it probably said it is good publicity. Or for yeah, he said. Uh, I I think he said, you know, I'm so worried. I'm going to give them a um, if they if they don't stop now, I'm going to give them a one star review on Yelp. 
<laughs> okay. Well, that's a good, good comeback. Um, you know, I, I, I keep thinking back to different parts of my career and, and for the last decade that I was working full time, I was representing the insurance industry, the property and casualty insurance industry in Canada. And I know that in 2013, we had a huge flooding issue in Western Canada. We made a lot of mistakes at that time, uh, which we we took back. We we built out the scenarios, like you said. And by 2016, when Fort McMurray, Alberta basically burned to the ground, uh, we were on the ground. And, and what we had learned helped us to, to talk that whole through and to the fact that we won an international business communicators, you know, gold quill for crisis wow. communication. So I'm, you know, I've, I'm always proud of that. And I feel I've earned part of my stripes from that. But when I look back at my career, it's been a series of things. So I wake up today and I hope that something big isn't going to blow up, uh, but always something happens. And I guess that's the way you have to look at it. You never know how your day is going to go. That's exactly right. You know, I heard a, I heard a quote recently on a documentary I've been watching said, you know, nobody's life is perfect. It is life is just management of problems. How true. And I agree with that. It is. And and we hope that um, well, part of us hope that we don't have the problems, but part of us who do handle problems uh, do hope that there are problems, but they are manageable. So I thank you so much for your time and your uh, your your comments today. This was a very interesting conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, the next phase is always on the lookout for good stories, good information. Feel free to drop me a line. The contact information will be in the description. You know, I'll have you on and you can tell your story and we'll get it out there. Until we speak again, have a wonderful day.